everybody, and welcome back to the Critically Acclaimed Streaming Club, the podcast you're listening to right now, which is called the Critically Acclaimed Streaming Club. My name is William Bibiani. <laughs> I am a critic. Everybody calls me Bibbs. My name is Whitney Seibold. I, too, am a critic, and I, I guess we don't have an intro to this one yet. No, sort no. Of, it's just sort, the, of, sort of winging it there. This is the, this is the, new, uh, the new kid on the block well, here this, on the Critically Acclaimed Network. This, this is uh, a little, uh, little planaria planaria flatworm that broke off of the main podcast. Why do you make it gross? What's wrong with flatworms? They're, they're, gross. they're adorable. I, I liked learning about them in biology class. Well, this is your flatworm <laughs> where, the, we, where we talk about movies that are streaming. Uh, this started off as uh, part of the critically acclaimed podcast uh, during the pandemic when uh, everyone was watching movies at home. And uh, we thought, well, you're watching movies at home on these streaming services. Rather than only focus on new releases, we wanted to devote time every week to watching something old that either Whitney or I hadn't seen before. And, uh, well, people like the segment, so we decided it deserved its own spinoff. And here we are, the second episode of The Streaming Club. Uh, and here's how it works. Every week, uh, we present our patrons over at patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network uh, a poll. Uh, and the poll takes one particular streaming service... And four films that are available on that streaming service, Whitney picks two and I pick two. Again, the only criteria is that one or both of us hasn't seen it before, or you know, maybe we saw it when we were little kids and we don't remember it. We're not going to split hairs. And um, yeah, our patrons vote, and then we watch it the next week. It's not... Um it's not rocket surgery. <laughs> it's, uh, it's not terribly complicated. And the idea yeah. was we wanted to expand our, our repertoire of classic films. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe there are uh, great films in our past that we haven't seen yet. And maybe they're cult true. films. Maybe they're just yeah, blockbusters that slipped by. That's true of everybody. Uh, there's there's going to be a great film or a bad film or a, a rather popular film that you haven't seen. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, so we were sort of filling the gaps in our education. And... Um, I'm glad William finally has filled one in his. Yeah, I have been... This week's film, <laughs> we decided to go with uh, sci-fi films on Amazon Prime. And uh, this week's film that was chosen by our patrons uh, was a film that... You know what? This movie came out in 1980. It was a notorious bomb, and then nobody talked about it for a while. It, it really disappeared. It was under the radar for, for a couple of tw- decades. 20, 25 years. Yeah. It was just gone from the consciousness. And then the cult movie circuit mm-hmm. started to latch onto it. Its notoriety started to have midnight screenings in Los Angeles and other hip well, towns. In fact, we have to stop and give credit where it is due. Um, it's actually largely due to Mark Edward Hoyk. Oh, really? A, a, a friend of ours. Mm-hmm. For championing and discovering and getting the apple on a lot of these midnight circuits, at least here in Los Angeles. And once it caught on in L.A., thanks to its really goofy-ass preview, uh, it sort of proliferated and became uh, this brand new cult phenomenon for a few years in like the mid-2000s. Along the lines of The Room and the Rocky Horror Picture Show and Midnight Movie, where people would watch it, perhaps ironically, perhaps genuinely. Uh, But it's certainly a weird, strange beast, and ordinarily what I like to do is sort of present a preview of the film, give you a sort of a preamble, and then say the name, but Whitney already did, so screw it, we're watching The Apple. In 1994, the world is controlled by one power. Is success. There ain't no pride. There ain't no 
The apple. Magic apple. Come and take a bite. I've talked about the apple a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. I've been on podcasts, other podcasts, talking about the apple. Um, I was on Chris Better Clark's. Better podcast. Well, I was on Chris Clark's Suddenly Soundtracks with Mark Edward Hoyk and Alonso Duralde. All, all four of us were talking about the apple and going through the soundtrack song by song. Yeah, this is a movie that quite a few critics that I know are, mm-hmm. are big fans of, again, ironically or otherwise. And for whatever reason, it never quite came up. Um, it never quite just sort of accidentally happened that, oh, we're all going to see the Apple tonight, and I would go see it organically. And then uh, they've got like a big DVD re-release because there was suddenly interest. And yeah, it just never happened. And I always mm-hmm. said to myself, one of these days I'm going to go see the Apple, but I'm going to go see it on the big screen. And then there was a pandemic. So I said, fuck it, let's just put it on a streaming club poll. Mm. And uh, sure enough, the Apple won. And so I've finally seen Menahem Golan's The Apple, which... Is a film. <laughs> well, uh, the Apple came at, uh, and I, I said this on Suddenly Soundtracks, it came at this really, in this really weird, concentrated time of totally bonkers, batshit musicals. Mm-hmm. Because within about a year and a half of each other, we had Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Yeah. We had Xanadu. Yep. Uh, we had the Apple. We had Shock Treatment, I think, mm-hmm. was around this time. That was one year later. Um, yeah. We had, oh, uh, we had, we had uh, 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 Sextet, if you want to get real weird. Oh, gosh, uh, yes. We had The Wiz. Mm-hmm. We had Hair. Uh, we had uh, Can't Stop the Music, Can't Stop the, the, music was, the yeah. fictional biography of the start of the village people, highly fictional, and, uh, and Popeye. And of course we had Forbidden Zone, like all of these really very strange musicals yeah. were coming out around this time, and uh, this was the Cannon Group's attempt to get into this bonkers new wave slash disco musical craze. Yeah, they're all trying to sort of reinvent the movie musical for the modern disco slash new wave uh, era of music. And looking back, like the only films in that uh, in that generation, I suppose, that are very well regarded are the ones that weren't trying to be super modern. Films like The Blues Brothers. Or films like uh, uh, The Muppet Movie. It was a musical. It was popular at the time. Uh, all That Jazz. Right. Now, these are not films that are trying to be ultra hip and new wave and appeal to the kids. The ones that are trying to appeal to the kids are the ones that have aged spectacularly poorly, <laughs> sometimes to great wonderful effect. Some people love the movie Xanadu. I will go on the record as saying, I think Can't Stop the Music is a delight. If you haven't seen Can't Stop the Music, it's, um... you're missing out on something really, really campy mm. and fun. Yeah, it, I enjoy that movie unironically. It's a hoot. I think it helps that Can't Stop the Music doesn't have this anchor of earnestness around its neck. It's yeah. actually a very, I tell you an important very story. silly, playful kind of movie. So even if you don't like the village people, yeah. you'll still like the movie because it is high energy and there's a lot of just ridiculous fun to be had. Yeah, like when, when a movie like problem, Xanadu uh, is trying to, like, imp- like in an important uh, way, bridge the gap between Gene Kelly musicals and roller disco... 
uh, it's they they can't help but sort of torpedo that. It just mm-hmm. it never connects for a variety of reasons. Some of which having to do with the premise. Some of which having to do with the film. So it just makes the movie that much worse. Can't stop the music is just flighty and silly. And so even if you don't like it, it's kind of hard to be mad at it. I think. Um, well, once once the second hour ends and you're st- looking at your watch and you realize, oh wait, there's like four hours remaining, and you're going, yay! Yeah. <laughs> it, it's a long film. It, it's, it, it's, it's, a it's, it's a little it, long. It's a little long. It takes it takes a little bit of stamina to get through. Can't yeah, stop I'll, the music. I'll give you, you that it's a little. You really long. can't stop the music, and, yeah. and when they're playing the song, can't stop the music, and it feels like the song that doesn't end because mm-hmm. they just keep repeating the chorus over and over again. You're like, ah, I just take my life. There's a whole documentary I would love to do that's just about like all the weird musicals from the late '70s, early '80s mm-hmm. that were trying to do something really wonderful and new, and how almost all of them tanked. You could uh, you could pitch that to VH1. You could make a series out of probably it. Probably could yeah. actually, but um. In any case, the apple is one of the biggest swings and one of the biggest misses. This. This movie, you know, there's a lot of talk about, like, there's a lot, I, I want to I set the stage here because there's a lot of talk about, like, how, like, oh, people are so harsh on movies nowadays. No, that never used to be. The Apple, when it premiered in Hollywood, was booed so rigorously by its own audience, like, the people in at the premiere. Now, they were being, like, they, they were being fluffed. They were given, like, free copies of the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. The free copies of the soundtrack were thrown at the screen, they damaged, damaging it. They damaged the screens at the premiere with the, the free soundtrack. Because they records. hated the movie that much. The As movie such, premiered at a film festival to so much hatred and bile. The director, Menahem Golan, has apparently said he went back to his hotel and he seriously came very close to killing himself. And it become, fortunately, one of the other producers came in and stopped them. Like, this movie was... Not popular. <laughs> this movie was really is, yeah. derisively greeted, and we'll talk about the quality of the movie in a second. But I feel like that's a bit much. Um, as such, because the uh, those free soundtracks were hurled at the screen and left on the floor, if you have one, it's worth something now. Probably, like yeah. if you want an actual original soundtrack record for the Apple, uh, it's it's kind of hard to track down. Uh, but yeah, thanks to the revival screenings, it, it was given new life, and the soundtrack was reissued, or at least started to proliferate on the underground circuit a little yeah. bit more quickly. And uh, so the, it's it's been rescued from the ash heap. Uh, the Apple is a bad film. It is. Uh, it's a very bad film. It's an incredibly entertaining film, however, so I don't want to say... Uh, that you should dismiss it outright. There are plenty of bad films that I enjoy immensely. I will I will take your mm. your what you just said and I'm going to uh, flip a couple of things around. It is a bad film. Mm. I think it is an interesting film. Mm. I wouldn't call it enjoyable. Oh, I God. frankly frankly I did not have a great time watching this, but I was fascinated. Okay. And I think that's a different that you can enjoy something and be fascinated, and you can be fascinated and not enjoy it. It's like if you're trying to like investigate like a 50 car pileup on a freeway, and you're like, "Oh, this is horrible." Mm-hmm. Interesting though. Mm-hmm. So let's see. This car hit this car. Like you're trying to like figure out how it all happened. Or uh, watching the the TV series Hannibal, and figuring out, wait a minute, how did they create a tree of human bodies in the middle of a beach? And they're like, With, well, actually, that's not possible. They're but, very yeah. clever. That's all it takes. Yeah, yeah. Every, everybody in that series has like serial killer superpowers. I, and you're you're treating that like it's a bug. It's a feature. It's a stupid show. It's a wonderfully. It's a, it's a, I would go so I would say it's over the top. 
I'll agree with you I, on I that think, description. I think it's trying to uh, The better. Apple is loaded with entertainment value. It has a lot of really wild uh, production design, really dated production design. Super dated. Uh, incredibly broad characters. Uh, Vladek Shabal plays uh, Mr. Boogaloo, and he's a, he's a, just a really good, plays a good villain role. Uh, Vladek Shabal, uh, you've seen him in all kinds of movies, like in supporting roles for the most part. Mm. Um, he was in From Russia with Love. Yeah, he, he had a, a yeah. little bit part in From Russia with Love. Yeah, for uh, example. Uh, uh, Ray uh, Shell plays the character of Shake, who is this like snake-like guy with gems in his teeth and this wild makeup. Uh, Miriam Margulies has a bit part. Was this like her first as, movie? No, she was in movies uh, before she this, was I'm right? sure. Okay. But, um, uh, yeah, George S. Clinton did the music, and it's... Okay, she had, it was like, she wasn't big yet, but yeah, she yeah, was um, uh, and Catherine Murray Stewart from Night of the Night of the Comet, uh, and the uh, La- and the Last Starfighter, and, and Last Starfighter as yeah. well. So she would go on to do like other uh, notable eighties uh, genre films. She's probably like the only person, like in this particular film, who went on to other than Menachem Golan, who became a yeah. super producer, well, and also uh, Joss Eklund, who played the hippie lord, and also Mr. Tops would go on to be the bad guy in Lethal Weapon Two. Okay, uh, fair enough. Diplomatic like, community. That was the I feel like he was already Apple. kind of a big deal because yeah, he's he been, he been working since the fifties. Yeah, he's, he's had a long, I'm about, long career. I'm talking about the young people because mm. like there's a lot of this is a film about young people going to the music industry. Mm. We'll talk about the plot in a second, but it's a film about young people being corrupted by mm. the siren song of fame and stardom and yeah. um and um yeah, yeah, it does not treat them very well, and it's good for Catherine Mary Stewart for being able to re- salvage her career. Uh, her co-star, the male lead in the film, uh, George Gilmore, literally the only thing he ever did on IMDb. Yeah, he has he's no gone. other credits. And, he, uh, he vanished. And you can see why. He's he's, he's actually not, the, the weakest part of the movie. He's not, he's to, not in the same a, movie everyone else is. To a comedic degree. like and, and the fact that he looks a lot like Will Ferrell is... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, he really kind, kind of kind of works against yeah. him. I mean, granted, Will Ferrell wasn't a thing yet, but no, nowadays no, it's hard to divorce him. Will Ferrell could give this exact performance and be called a comedic genius. I think it would be great if you remade the Apple shot for shot, and the only mm-hmm. like thing you did to like, wink at the audience was you cast Will Ferrell. Uh, yes, as yeah. uh, oh wait, uh, they, oh wait, that's I'll, I'll <laughs> that's uh, that's um, a Eurovision Song Contest. Uh, yeah, it yeah, kind of is. Kind of did it. Well, like, uh, this this. Uh, <laughs> So the, the plot, the, it was made in 1980, it takes place in the far-flung future of 1994. It was supposed to be uh, 1984, because that has all these Orwellian mm-hmm. uh, 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 overtones, and they decided that was a little too close in the future, and they couldn't get away with it being really futuristic. So, so they chose 1994, because that's really far away. Yeah, four, so 14 years in the future. Uh, we are now uh, privy to the, not the Eurovision Song Contest, but the World Vision Song Contest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... The ruler of the World Vision Song Contest, and indeed of the world, is uh, BIM. Um, well, B- no, Bugalo International Music, and yeah. uh, they are in charge of Pandy and Dandy, these sort of like hot pop act of the day, who yeah. sing about nihilism and greed and power. Yeah. Uh, uh, then Vladek Shabal plays Mr. Bugalo. Mr. Bugalo is uh, this extremely. Uh, he's got very sharp features, wears a lot of tuxedos. He looks like Satan. Uh, Spoiler alert, he's Satan. He's Satan. The, like, literally Satan. The, the, the title is not an illusion. There's literally an apple in it. Uh, it's it's some, it's a fantasy sequence. It's literally on screen. Yeah, but it's a fantasy sequence. Mm, is it, though? Yeah, yeah, it is. is it? Well, what, what I think, happens I think is... It's a fair, I think it's fair argument I mean, I'll, I'll, to be said that nothing you, in the movie is super literal. I'll, I'll walk okay. you into the apple. Uh, uh, 
uh, Pandy and Dandy are the rulers. Uh-huh. Alfie and Bibi, Catherine Mary Stewart and uh, George Gilmore, are uh, from Moose Jaw, Canada, and they decide to enter the World Vision Song Contest with uh, a folksy love song, mm-hmm. the sort of John Denver kind of number, and and it's very it's, nostalgic. It's, and there's, yeah. What's what's the line uh, Boogaloo says? Like, like nostalgia is. Love, death. yeah, love doesn't sell anymore, or something like no, that. No, he says something like, uh, like, like, never underestimate nostalgia, or nostalgia is a deadly weapon, or mm. something like that. But basically, nostalgia has value. And yeah. for a moment, based on pure talent, not popularity, not what's mm. the zeitgeist, based on pure talent, according to the film, not necessarily in reality. It's, it's just the, the earnestness, not, their, not their, the talent. Their yeah. earnestness actually connects with people, and for a moment, it looks like they might actually win the contest, which is not what Mr. Bigelow wants. Uh, so Mr. Bigelow rigs the contest. Yeah, he, sa- he sabotages their act. Yeah. Uh, they they can actually judge how people are reacting to it. They can like read their heart meters from yeah. like this big control panel backstage. It doesn't really make sense because they're like, oh yes, they're up to like 150 heartbeats a minute, mm-hmm. and like, oh, but now everyone's yelling at them and getting telling them to get off the stage. Wouldn't anger make their heartbeats go faster? Wouldn't that still read? I, as I'm guessing good. I think heartbeats are not like literal heartbeats. It's some sort of other emotional measurement, but. Uh, <sighs> Mr. Boogaloo, however, sees that they're a threat, so he lures them to Boogaloo International Music, where he's going to sign them uh, to the label and transform them into what he wants them to be. Now, I know what you're thinking. This is going to be like, okay, and then they go home, and it's really sad, and then they get the news, and then they talk about it, and then they go over there, and there's a scene where they seduce them into the thing, and then they have to think about it. No, it happens really fucking fast. Yeah, good. Cut the fat out. I'm not saying that. I'm just telling people. I want people to get the gist of this. So there's the World Vision Contest. We spend quite a bit of time there, and then at the end, uh, Alfie and BB are uh, distraught. They're mad that they lost, but they have been invited to Mr. Bigelow's party. They go to Mr. Bigelow's party, and immediately, within within like five minutes, BB is doing drugs with Dandy, and like mm. he's like singing about he's going to be her You're new boyfriend. Made for and, me, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I can sing the songs from this damn movie, by I the way. I don't know how I've, I've seen it a lot. Awful, but. Uh, he, the, uh, uh, but yeah, she's immediately, uh, seduced by the temptation of these serpenty people with their forked mm. tongues and yeah. their, and their seduction to sin. And, uh, there's a, yeah. mar- there's a marketing guy who's like, we're going to have BIM marks, little stickers. You can yeah. stick them anywhere as BIM glasses. And yeah. that, that guy, Joe Pittman is played by, uh, George Clinton. Who uh, did the music for the movie? Yeah, uh, Bim Marks. I really want to make sure because this is actually weirdly important. Um, basically, this marketing guy goes up to uh, Mister Bugalow and says, "Yeah, well, I got. We're gonna do T-shirts for Bim," and he's like, "You can do something more clever than that." So he comes up with little plastic stickers, and they're little. They're, they're like uh, little hologram stickers, like you can get like after like a quarter vending machine at like a diner yeah, a triangular and they have the BIM logo yeah. on them and the whole thing is you can put them wherever you want put them in your forehead put them on your cheek but you have to wear them and in fact they're so popular that by the end of the movie you can get fined for not wearing them mm. that's how powerful the music industry is in the world of the Apple well, that, that's a little later when, like, their influence has grown and the yeah. world has become a lot darker I, I, I took his uh, head a little bit mm-hmm. I just wanted to talk about the BIM marks yeah. for a second but, uh, yeah, Al, Al, uh, BB is seduced by Alfie, and, uh... BB yeah. seduced by Dandy. Alfie by is Dandy, not seduced at me. all. Al, Al, Alfie is, in yeah. fact, Alfie, um, sees that, yeah, it's the sort of this pit of vipers when they go to the actual record label, and there's this, uh, song in the lobby about how they sing that it's in 1994. It makes no uh, sense, this song, because the whole thing is it's people waiting in the lobby, 
to show Mr. Boogalow what they got. Mm-hmm. Like this, they got this kind of weird circusy act, and the song that they sing, the lead part is sung by Mr. Boogalow, oh. and at the end they call them up to present their song to Mr. Boogalow, yeah. and I'm like. You gotta have some internal consistency here. Come on, Mr. Boogalow just sang a song with okay. you. I don't want to hear anything about internal consistency when we're talking about a musical. So shut up. What are you talking uh, about? Musicals <laughs> have internal consistency. He, he, it's it's a song, all right. So yeah, clearly, it's, it's not reality. This isn't a literal stage where people are singing a song to Mr. Boogalow. What's the metaphor of having Mr. Boogalow sing a song? He's talking. That he's he's not talking about how he, he has he has control over these people. It's a villain song. Yeah, but he has two. He has two villain songs. Who are about to play for Mr. Boogalow, and he's not with them. Yeah, he doesn't work with them. He doesn't represent them. Mm. It's kind of just doesn't really fit. It's a. It would be like if it would be like it would be like if Ursula had a villain song, uh, Mm. but like it was in the middle of Kiss the Girls, and you're just like, why are you here? Mm. It doesn't fit here. It's weird that you're here. No, it's it establishes the tone of the place. They're going to the evil pit. They wait, go to the lobby, and he sings about how all the people who come to this lobby are going to essentially be my puppets. He even he even calls them his puppets on a string. I apologize. You're they right. go it's and, a brilliant motion picture, and I will never criticize. My point them. is, you're 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 nitpicking things that actually aren't problems with the movie because there are much bigger problems with this movie. Yeah, I think it's still uh, okay. They uh, but pen. To get to the the actual Apple, um, Alfie and BB go up into the BIM offices now, uh, which is uh, you know a lot of gold records on the wall. And he says, "I'm going to give you a contract, and I'll sign you, and you'll be you'll be mine for years." Get the get standard rich money. and famous contract. Yeah, pretty, it's a standard rich and famous contract. And BB's like, "Well, heck yes, I want all of that. That's why we came here." And Alfie. Uh, begins to have these visions of what this office really is. And he looks at there's Shake. There's an earthquake, for God's sake. Yeah, there's, a, there's an earthquake. He looks at Shake. Shake looks like a snake. And he looks at Mr. Boogalow, and he is Satan. And then they sing the apple number. Uh, and they, they're presented they... with the apple of temptation in the Garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. Uh, Subtle. Yeah, I got to see this at a midnight screening. The uh, the actual, actual, actual vampire that shows up in this sequence was there. She was one of the choreographers. Okay, that's the best part of this movie. There's a bit in the Apple number where they're singing about a literal apple, and uh, uh, Catherine Mary Stewart, who's Magic being apple dubbed voodoo apple, she is being dubbed over by singer Mary Highland. But uh, Catherine uh, Mary Stewart is given this really big apple. It's like the size of a human head. It's clearly fake, but whatever. It's like that's what it is. It's the apple. No, they grew a real one. <laughs> Anyway. That's why it was so expensive. But there's a lyric in it where they're talking about, and you're in hell, and all of these things are here, and they're dogmen, and look, an actual vampire. And then someone in, like, a really cartoony vampire getup mm-hmm. goes, just jumps on the screen and goes, ah. Yeah. That's the best part. That's the only part in this movie where I'm watching him going, more of that, please. I would like the vampire to be in charge now. The vampire, there's, like... A- Bulldog people and yeah. all these monsters and fiery pits and yeah. a lot of cavorting about. It and looks if, like and if you went into the movie high, you'll you will freak out. Did you ever see Staying Alive, the sequel to Saturday Night Fever? I didn't. Okay, you must. <laughs> Saturday, a it's it's actually it's weird because it's a movie that everyone says is terrible, but it was actually one of the biggest hits of the year it came out. It was like eighty three, eighty four. Could still um, be terrible. Oh no, I'm just saying. Like no, just history has kind of forgotten that it was popular. Okay. Um. But, uh, and allegedly it's the first film that I saw in a theater. I don't remember it. I think it was like two. Okay. But allegedly it's the first movie that my mom took me to see in a theater. Um, it's directed by Sylvester Stallone. And it follows John Travolta's character from Saturday Night Fever as he's moved into, like, New York City proper and is trying to make it big. 
And it's basically an allegory for Sylvester Stallone trying to make it big as an, as a nobody actor in the 70s. Except John Travolta is trying to make it big in the dance scene in Broadway. Uh, the end of the movie, John Travolta is cast in a... I hesitate to call it a musical. It's more like a weird acid orgy dance review <laughs> called Satan's Alley. Which sounds like sounds like innuendo. Is what it, it sounds, it like, sounds yeah. like a hashtag that yeah. would pop up on a porn site. Uh, but um, I digress. Uh, but yeah, it's this big wheel, really weird kaleidoscopic, you know, sex dance full of temptation and people screaming like, "Come on, jump, mm-hmm. do it!" And then they jump, and we're like, "Yay!" Um. Anyway, this is like Satan's Alley. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Except okay. Satan's Alley is better. <laughs> Satan's Alley is pretty... How, and it's a pretty how, amazing sequence. How is it you can get on, on board with staying alive and can't stop the music, and yet you, you spike so hard at, at the apple? That's a great question, mm-hmm. and I can answer that question for mm-hmm. you. Uh, staying alive is actually a drama. Mm-hmm. It's got a campy bit because it's about music in the 80s, but as a drama about people just trying to get gigs when they're nobody entertainers it's actually pretty genuine and decent uh and can't stop the music is only trying to be light and bouncy the apple Mm. is trying to say something it's a message picture the apple is a mess it's a broad message picture it's an obvious message picture but it is Mm. a message picture and it is attempting to make an actual statement it's attempting to actually be significant artistically Mm. and as a result it has greater ambition. So the fact that like staying alive is trying to be, you know, a pretty good drama and mostly succeeds, fine. Mm. The fact that Can't Stop the Music is trying to be silly and succeeds, fine. The fact that the apple is trying to be important and fails mm. miserably. Well, that's what makes it fun. <laughs> one could make that argument. But yeah, for um, me, it, the, what would make it fun, mm. I can handle a movie like not achieving its goals and being entertaining in spite of itself. That's perfectly reasonable, and there's a mm. lot of movies I like in that vein. The problem with the Apple is the music sucks, and that's the mm. thing I don't like about it. Okay, it, the, what it boils down to is this: if the songs were super catchy, and at the end oh, of the movie probably, I could probably. sing them uh-huh. or at least hum them, mm. like I could with films like you know other films that are big old messes but fun musicals like Shock Treatment or, or Rocky. Oh God! Like I'm, I would. This is not a movie. All of the this, songs here are just. There's a scene. They're, they're earworms, sir. They're, people yeah. were singing the the songs uh, yeah. when I, I worked at the New Art where this yeah. showed, and they showed the preview, which has a, a bit of the song Speed. In it, which is which so is about much. taking speed. It's about taking drugs. Yeah. Uh, PG rated film song about taking drugs. PG thirteen uh, didn't exist yet, by the way. PG was a lot broader at the time. But uh, people were singing that song after seeing the preview one time. Oh, like they they were singing it to me on the way into. It's the because theater. they didn't listen to the whole song. Speed is a terrible song. New speed York is a film. To LA, speed. Everybody is, does it her way. Yeah, speed is a song that's actually. A good song until it keeps going for 45 seconds because the melody crashes and burns into a terrible chorus that ultimately it's about speed and it's really slow and boring. I hate it's that song. Not slow and boring. It's a fast dance number. No, it's, it's about taking speed. Yeah, so it should and be that, really oh, good. And and I'm not is, a fan. Who is it? Um, a really famous soap opera actress has is like a, a credited dance, like featured oh, dancer. I don't know. In the background of one of, uh, let me look it oh, up. I don't uh, know look that. up That's the name. Um, uh, Fiona. 
Finola Hughes is her name. Finola Hughes was yeah. in Staying Alive. She was the le- she was the lead opposite John. Travolta. Oh, was she? Okay. Yeah, that's and then she would go on to do a lot of uh, okay. soap opera. So yeah, that's, she, that's funny. She was like a yeah, just a, yeah. she doesn't have any lines, but like, there's yeah. a shot and it's clearly her. Like you see her face, it's that's clearly fun. her. I must have missed that. Great. She's in the Speed number. Okay, that's that's yeah. really cool. I like uh, that's a really really fun mm-hmm. uh, bit of trivia. But no, but and again, I don't mean to be like harsh on it. I don't like hate this movie. Mm-hmm. I really don't. It's it's just it's it's weird enough. That I can respect its ambition while not uh, while not enjoying it, so like I, I I can't be like mean to this movie. I'm not trying to be anyway. Mm. I'm just trying to explain why it didn't work. And the main reason why it didn't work is I don't think the songs are good. I oh, don't okay. think they're catchy. I think that they're thuddingly obvious, but not in a good way. I yeah. think that they're and I I think that they're all hovering around a catchy hook, but would never actually catching. And it well, really kind of it really kind of drove me up the wall. I I, I was um, I I kind of uh, walked out of it and tried to go to bed after having seen it the first time and kind of hated it for a few minutes because they, they the songs were stuck in my head and Weird. I could remember them. Yeah. There's uh, there's a song about taking speed. The slow numbers like oh where has love gone? Uh, those, well, the, those those ones are yeah completely insufferable. There's this great bit where people but, uh, are like you know yeah man. Like people aren't liking your music. Maybe you should listen to what other people like, and maybe try to like give people what they want right now. And he's like, "No, I'm going to sing slow crap." Mm-hmm. And then he does, and people in the movie are like, "Well, that was a waste of time. Mm-hmm. I wish we hadn't shown that scene." Yeah. And he's like, "What do you want from me?" I'm like, "I don't know, something good." And I'm like, "Well, actually, yeah, I'm mm-hmm. on the movie's wavelength for a moment." <laughs> uh, he he goes home after being rejected by uh, the the label because. Uh, BB signs the contract and she becomes a big star. Alfie refuses to sign and he becomes destitute. And he yeah. refuses every all the trappings about the modern world. He's still wearing his denim and his and his uh, flannel. He refuses to wear a, his bim mark and he gets fined for yeah, it. He gets a ticket for not wearing a bim mark. He's still playing acoustic guitar, singing "Oh, where has love gone?" Uh, the the number after that, where he's accosted by the police and is going back to his apartment, it really looks like. His like his pants are too tight and he can't walk in them. He's like kind of hoisting himself up the stairs, and I think yeah. that was pretty much the case. I love that. I, one thing I do kind of like about this movie is, and it, it was shot in Eastern Europe, wasn't it? Shot in like Berlin or in something? Germany. It was yeah. Shot in Germany. And again, this is 1980. Cold War is still going on, and um, it really starts to feel like weirdly fascistic. Like we're watching some like fascinating underground statement like almost mm. like you'll be a great double feature with this in a weird way is the remake of Suspiria <laughs> like I can actually kind of see them bringing like, out something interesting in each movie, other the movie's all about uh, the Botter-Meinhof group yeah yeah like if you if you add some Botter-Meinhof group to the Apple you got something kind of interesting well I think. The, there's a, a more expansive film that could have been made out of this concept about how uh, popular music has you know, pop culture has essentially turned into fascism yeah that's a good concept uh, yeah. but this is you know this is the canon group they're not going to spend any more than they have to uh so <laughs> that's time and money yeah um, it's a very short film it's only an hour and a half there was it's like 80 minutes it's 80 minutes has 14 songs it's crammed with entertainment um <laughs> but uh it's like it's like a sardine can of entertainment yeah i love like, sardines s- stinky little shiny snacks of entertainment you know how people love sardines and eat them all the time some people love sardines some people do love yeah. sardines uh, i happen the to love these don't. sardines okay uh, I don't like sardines in real life, but I like the apple sardines. I like smoked oysters. Ew. See, I don't yeah. like smoked oysters. There you go. See, I'm, I, don't, I, don't, I don't eat meat, so. Well, there you go. You, you uh, wouldn't, would you? I, I suppose not. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the, that the Cannon Group is making this, and Menachem Golan uh, 
this was such a bomb. Uh, years later, he was asked about it, and he claims not to have remembered directing it. <laughs> Just <laughs> like in an we interview, won't, we won't speak of it again. Do you remember that, that that musical you made in Germany? No, well, which one? The Apple. You shot it in Germany. It was like 1980. Wait, which which one? The Apple? No. Who was in that one? That Catherine Mary Stewart? I, I'm sorry, I don't. I have no recollection. I don't know if he was like putting on the the interviewer, but uh, yeah, he claimed <laughs> Menachem Golan claims. Not to have uh, have what remembered is, directing this. What is the he, best film directed by Menachem Golan? Because Menachem is uh, mostly known as a mostly known as uh, a producer, but he directed. Yeah, a lot. Uh, Menachem Golan and his cousin Yoram Globus uh, were the founders of the Canon Group. Uh, they're uh, Israeli guys, and they. Um, they made a lot of movies in Israel. They moved to uh, the United States, and they started up this very low-budget exploitation house called the Cannon Group. And the Cannon Cannon Group put out a lot of really wild genre pictures that uh, guys our age grew up watching. For about ten yeah. years, they were actually a surprisingly prominent cultural force. They did a lot. Of, they were really on top of a lot of zeitgeists, like. Mm. The exact yeah. moment breakdancing was big, they immediately came out with Breaking and Breaking Two Electric Boogaloo. Same year, so in the same year. Yeah, the yeah, Atlantic that's sequel. how fast that sequel was greenlit. Uh, and, uh, and ninjas. It, yeah, I was about to say yeah. it's because of the the, the Canon Group that we know what ninjas are in the United States yeah. uh, as as sort of an entertainment force. We wouldn't have the Ninja Turtles or any other ninja things without the mm. the Canon Group because they made films like Revenge of the Ninja. Yeah. And yeah. I, and Menahem Golan was actually a pretty prolific filmmaker before he came to America and still made quite a few movies mm. some of which are reasonably well remembered uh, The Delta Force is a problematic film politically but it's an mm. ambitious and, and grand scale action yeah, that, movie yeah, that was that very popular his, at the time his best known film that he directed he directed the uh, Sylvester Stallone arm wrestling movie Over the Top uh, he directed Enter the Ninja which I have seen uh, Enter the Ninja is pretty great it's fun yeah. yeah I like that one um, like a, another you know cheapy nonsensical action film but it is a lot of fun to watch and he was directing up until 2008 it's just for whatever reason just like people just know his name because he was connected to the release of weirder movies Mm. weird movies like the 1990 Captain America or um, he produced Bloodsport uh, and, and the Superman two, 4, The Quest yeah, well, for Peace. Superman 4 and Masters of the Universe were uh, sort of the canon group's attempt to break into sort of blockbuster filmmaking. Mm. But as usual, they would pay bottom dollar and they also uh, like mismanaged a lot of their productions. So those things kind of fell apart. They were going to do a Spider-Man film as well. A canon, yes, canon group had the rights to make a Spider-Man feature film. It's going to be done by a, a director named Joseph Zito, who did a lot of B films as well. Yeah, and it's going to be about a guy who turns into a spider monster. Uh, yeah, you can, you, can, you can look up details <laughs> yeah. about the canon group Spider-Man. to do with Spider-Man. It was all very loose. Very, yeah. very loose. But, but yeah, they, they had kept, be Captain America, Superman, and Spider-Man. I, I wish they had made it. It wouldn't yeah, have, like... Changed the the landscape at all because it wouldn't have registered because it was this cheap little thing. That it might have registered about. just enough that people wouldn't be interested in seeing like another Spider Man movie for a little longer. But we didn't get a Spider Man film until two thousand one or whenever that Sam Raimi film was. Yeah, and uh, I think it was two thousand two was the first one. It was, yeah, it, it was, it was a right while. after nine eleven. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. So yeah. T- so it was going to be a while anyway. <laughs> is is my point? Yeah, maybe. Um, but this was their attempt at making sort of a a big message musical with the. Bible themes, and it's such a, a weird, it, it's a weird enough idea that that, the idea kind of carries it a long way, and because it's so short, it doesn't really wear out its welcome, and because the songs I think really are upbeat and catchy, uh, you are 
sort of lifted along. You're sort of uh, crowd surfing across the top of this movie. There are mo- there are moments in this movie where I feel like all of a sudden the tone is right. Uh, there's a bit towards not really the end of the movie, like the second half, where um, everyone like Bim is taken over. Everyone's bimming it up. People love Bim. They're wearing their Bim marks. Uh, the music is everywhere. Catherine uh, uh, Ray Stewart's the most popular musician in the world, and everything's going great for everyone except our mm-hmm. hero. Um, and there's a big musical number where everyone's singing about how much they love Bim. And there's a bit where it's like a half dozen nuns are just walking towards the camera, mm-hmm. and then in the m- middle of like this very solemn march, they just do one like really quick flashy dance move, and then they go back to marching again. Mm-hmm. And it's like that's the kind of tone I think maybe we needed a bit more of because the self seriousness. Mm-hmm. Only takes you so far. I want to be a little bit more wild yeah. than this sometimes. Um, what happens uh, is uh, it's, it's Andy. Is that Alfie? Alfie. Alfie. Yeah. Alfie keeps P- trying to rescue Andy. P- Dandy. Alfie. BB. Get it right. <laughs> Sorry. Andy keeps Alfie keeps trying to uh, rescue BB. Mm. Uh, she didn't ask him to, which I think is interesting. He just assumes he knows what's best mm. for her, and he shows up to this big BIM party, which turns into. A pretty impressive orgy, actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, he ends up having sex with... Uh, ba- ban- Bambi? Pan- Pan- Pandy. 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 Uh, and she has a song. Uh, I think it's called I'm Coming For You. Coming For You. I'm Coming For You. <laughs> it's it's not, not even, subtle. It's not No, it's not even double entendre. It's, it's just sex talk. It's just literally what's like, happening on screen. F- fill me up with your fire. Let me feel every inch of your love. She says these yeah. things. Yeah, it's... And, uh, and then he's just like, ah! sex is scary and he runs away and that's when she goes oh I should change my life and find religion and so she starts like questioning Bim and that's going to be important later because later on she realizes she doesn't have a soul and and BB's nearly lost hers because she's fallen in with the hedonism so she's going to risk everything to get BB out of the building and she does and it's actually pretty easy and uh, Mm -hmm. then uh, BB meets Alfie in uh, the park where he's fallen in with homeless hippies. An underground cadre of hippies led by Joss Ackland as yeah. the hippie lord. And uh, they they have a song, and they talk about how, like, ah, oh, we're together again, and everything's great. And at the end of the song, like, Mr. T- Buglow shows up. Years have passed, by the way, over it the course is, of the song. It is not clear that years yeah. have passed, by the way. I was super confused. Mr. They, Buglow shows up, and they a, have a kid, and he's got a beard. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm not sure if it's... fuck like, long we read was that song? That he, song was really long. He, he has a beard. Uh, it's unclear if the kid is theirs, or it's just sort of a kid that was around. The but implication, it's implied said, that years have passed, uh, and they Mr. Say, Buglow, they say one year. They say one year. One year, okay. Well, Josh Ackland says it's been one year since oh. uh, she oh, that's with us. Um, and so Mr. Bigelow's like, yeah, you gotta come with me because we're under contract, and yada, yada, yada. I'm gonna call, and, call you signed a contract with Satan, and it never expires. And that's when God <laughs> drives in, in a gold <laughs> car, in a cloud, Yay, and he's just like, in in hey, hey, Satan, yeah, we're not doing that, these are my people now, and everything's yeah. cool forever, and Satan's hey, like, ah, nerds. That's Mr. Tops, also played by Joss Ackland. A little confusing. And um, and uh, the solution to the problem isn't to defeat Mr. Boogalow, isn't to find a loophole in her contract, it's to remove all the good people from the Earth and find a new planet on mm. which to live, and this time they're going to do it without Satan. Let's and, give it a try. And Satan's so, just yeah. like, you can't do it without me, it's literally impossible. And it's like, we're going to try it this time. Mm. And that's how we got Earth? Perhaps. Maybe. It's basically the ending of knowing, but like it's like it's the with music. It's the Adam and Eve parable, but it's 
like if if Adam and but, Eve oh. were cast out of paradise, lived in hell, but then were well, let back into paradise at the end of the story. I, I feel like, I feel like which, they're allowed uh, back in in the rapture. I think that's what happens. The rapture that's the, right yeah, that's, the, that's the, the idea. They, yeah. they ascend into heaven. There's some you've, really confusing you've lived, readings of you, the Bible. You've lived, with, you've lived with hell, and now you've you've been raptured into heaven. All the hippies walk up an invisible ramp up into the sky yeah. while they sing this big choral version of Love the Universal Melody, which was the song I sang at the beginning, and it's all bookended. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. It, it, it is so much goddamn fun. I really love this movie. I've seen it a bunch of times. I watched it at midnight shows where, uh, and there was, a, you know, of course, a lot of rowdy mockingness. But, sure. uh, yeah. but yeah, I, I feel like it is also a genuinely entertaining film. It's not just you watch something like The Room. The Room is not an entertaining film. Oh, the, I the, the Room is incredibly bad. Uh, it's it's awkwardly paced, and the performances don't denote anything, and you're you feel like you're really lost in this guy's like bunkers consciousness. Well, I think that's what's With, interesting about mm. The Room, and I, that's what I kind of like about The Room. Is that we're basically reading like a, a teenager's first stab at poetry, and it's mm. really bad. And you know, it is really bad. And we can yeah. mock the sentence structure and how like the the rhymes aren't real. The rhyme scheme isn't working, mm. and we can do that all the time because that's kind of funny. But at the same, you get the sense that the heartbreak at the center of it is mm. real. They're just really inarticulate about it. Uh, I, and I, I find that kind of interesting about I, the room, I, I and that, that saves the, the room for me. I don't get that from the room. I got nothing but uh, the film because. The Room is one of those movies where you're watching it, and whether or not you know that Tommy Wiseau made it, you figure that out. Like, oh, <laughs> it's that asshole. He, that guy is behind that this That guy made this There's movie. There's no other did, reason he he'd star this. in it. Yeah, yeah, he did this for himself, so I, I see an ego project well, yeah, more I than I see something, uh, you know, you an, 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 an artist on. longing to tell an important story. Hang on a second. Mm. You're telling me... The Menahem Golan oh, no, rewrote no, no, no. the Bible to make it a <laughs> disco parable in 1980, and that's not an ego project. No, I, I, I'm not. I'm not saying that the apple is genuine. I'm just saying that the room is not. Uh, that that's just my that's my takeaway from the room. Okay, fine. But my point uh, is this: I, again, you, I do believe that like. <sighs> It's so easy to say, like, you know, like, because other movies are so bad, they're good. Which is a phrase I'm not super fond of. I think if you enjoy something, you should be able to explain why. Or, or I, I, the way I like to say it is, you know, if, if you watch a film and you recognize that it is indeed bad, it fails yeah. in, in it, saying its it, message. It lacks competence uh, in some it, regard. Yeah, yeah there's, you're, you're constantly just sort of put off by how badly it's made, but you're still entertained. You can just say, it is bad and entertaining. The the phrase "so bad it's good" you know it implies some weird causation. I think I, I think it implies but, um, it implies irony. Basically, mm. it implies it implies mockery. You can't appreciate a bad film on its own merits mm. while being consciously aware that it is not working right. Mm. But it can also, in a weird way, kind of work. So, for me, like a lot, and I've tried to be articulate about why some of the movies other people consider really really terrible are movies that I genuinely enjoy. Mm. And I'm trying to be articulate about why the Apple, based on one viewing, admittedly, but isn't really one of them. And I think it mostly boils down to, I appreciate the ambition, the ridiculous ambition. There was an opening sequence of this film that was not used because they tried to put like a whole bunch of wild animals in this Garden of Eden thing in the same room. And like elephants were getting stuck on the scenery and a tiger got out and... Like, apparently it was a big mess. They just didn't use it. <laughs> that is indicative of a lot right there. I appreciate all of that. But what it boils down to is, I feel like 
a lot of the quote unquote so bad but entertaining movies, I'm I'm vibing with the people who made them. Mm-hmm. I understand the personality. I understand what they were getting at, and there's a kooky familiarity that I can connect to here. Um, what I think what it boils down to is I don't think I vibe with Menahem Golan. I don't think Menahem Golan's vision of music is something that appeals to me. I find it cynical and dull. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think the hooks are very good. I just don't. And, and, and I'm not articulate enough about music to explain that in greater detail. So I, mean, I don't, just don't. I don't enjoy the music. I guess I, that's that. It is, but I, you know, as a critic, I can't just say I don't enjoy this scene and that's that. I have mm-hmm. to be more specific. But you know, I think I would need a, a few classes in musical theory to really put my finger on why the songs in, for example, Shock Treatment work, and why I don't think they work in The Apple. Like okay. there's there's some very clear thing for me, but I can't articulate it clearly. Um, I, but it boils down to is I don't think they're catchy. Um, I don't think. Menahem Golan's vision of over-the-top wild fun is fun to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, for I find it, a, in a weird sense, like work. Like, I gotta work to get through your vision. <laughs> and there are moments here and there that I very much enjoy. I think mm-hmm. Mr. Bigelow's a fun character. I love the costume design. All of that's a treat. Uh, but and I appreciate the weird sort of fascistic commentary that it comes into when it's actually dealing with like when it looks like it was filmed like on the sly and almost a neo-realist segment which is just like Alfie walking around mm-hmm. this demilitarized zone area all of that I buy but whenever the movie is trying to be fun I'm not having fun except for the vampire <laughs> except for that moment the vampire is amazing the vampire popped up totally happy with the vampire right. the vampire brought me oodles of joy there's so much fun, wild imagery, and uh, t- to sort of teeter back into theory for a minute, uh, when, when you're watching a, a really bad movie and it's failing so miserably that you can't connect with it, yeah, uh, often you have to fall back on, uh, and, and people just sort of do this naturally, you fall back on the intention of the creator. Sure. You're no longer watching the story of the film, now you begin constructing this uh, fantasy narrative in your mind as to how this film, what you're seeing, got made. And I feel like uh, The Apple is one of those films where you can't, it's difficult to connect with as a piece of art, mm. but it is fascinating to contemplate as a, a commercial entertainment. Mm. And that could be said of, of all of these sort of outsider cult movies. Uh, it's something you get from you know, Samurai Cop or Dangerous Men. These really horrendously put together films that somebody thought was a complete film and this was supposed to be really entertaining and you're you're sort of marveling at how badly it failed mm-hmm. is there a little bit of mockery or irony in enjoying something like that yeah definitely that's sure. that's an element of the human human spirit um yeah uh there's a reason There's, people yeah. used to bring Rotten Tomatoes to, to productions mm. just in case just in case sometimes they stink mm. <laughs> It's, Wait, it's so throw stuff it's at. so bad you want to get it off the stage with rotten well, fruit. Again, you look at you look at like movies again. We can't go back, but like you look at movies that like try to accurately portray what it was like at the Globe Theater, Shakespeare. Mm. The crowds were rowdy and mm. they were getting up on stage and like making a mess of things. It's it, theater used to be a lot more interactive. Yeah, and movies are we tend to think of them as pristine, but I'm fine with them being a little interactive sometimes um, to an extent. Yeah, I was and, yeah, yeah it was, it depends on the, the experience. I yeah. was weaned on the Rocky Horror Picture Show, yeah. so maybe I kind of was on that sort of wavelength already. Here's another uh, bonkers midnight musical with a lot of strange ideas in it that don't really connect. But golly, are they strange and. 
if something's strange enough, then it deserves to be vaunted. And I feel like a film like The Apple should be celebrated. And I'm glad that it did have its renaissance. And I'm glad that now you can just turn on Tubi and find it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's I'm it's one, one, of, one, of the, one of those oddities that was lost. It was rescued. And I'm glad it was rescued because, boy, howdy, there isn't anything kind of like this. Like, it is in the middle of all of this, but all of those movies kind of stand apart from one another. Yeah, the, there's you know, not Xanadu like a... doesn't blend into the apple, even if yeah. you watch all these movies in a no, street. That is, that is one of the things that's really interesting mm. about that weird little era of uh, mm. pop, modern pop musicals. They were all unique. Yeah, they're all trying to do it in a very different way, and um, yeah, and 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 honestly, the worst of those movies, which was it, the Apple? Like, I'm trying to think of what actually is the movie, like in that era. Um, I'm, that I, I, like, uh, that, like, I like the Apple. Me off the most. I like, like the Apple. I don't like Xanadu. Um, I love the soundtrack to Xanadu so much. I can't only only be so mad at it. <laughs> uh, but Xanadu is not a good movie. I'll give yeah. you that. Um, I think the Blues I, Brothers is really good, but again, it's kind of retro, so it doesn't really it, feel like a piece. It's, that's a, yeah, it's a, a little apart yeah. because that's that's a broad slapstick comedy with standards in it. It's but, it's a little bit of a different animal. The, the no, uh, I, I got it, I got hmm. it. The one like and again, all that jazz is its own weird entity. But like the one hmm. that's like trying to be modern and actually, I think succeeds. If I'm being perfectly frank, hmm. Rock and Roll High School. Rock and Roll High School, yeah, was trying to be hip, and Lil was. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know how they achieved it. Yeah, well, it's just they hit a good zeitgeist. Yeah. They had a great cast. They had a fun director, and the Ramones were game, and the Ramones were actually worth making a movie about. Yeah, uh, the director of that film, Alan Arkush, uh, was actually instructed by Roger Corman, the producer, mm. to make a film called Disco High. Oh, that, yeah. the, the original The original concept for Rock and Roll High School was Disco High, and... Uh, along the way, uh, I think Corbin himself said, well, you can't really, you can't really like rebel against your school and wreck it with disco. Yeah. So like the, the idea was, it was about how the kids were going to use modern music to take down the stodgy teachers, but disco wasn't that. So they found, oh, well, what about these Ramones? The sort yeah, of like punk, punk, rock, punk, punk rockers. Punk's the way to go. Yeah. Yeah. yeah do that. Yeah. PJ and, Souls. <laughs> PJ Souls, who is, I think, one of the most mm-hmm. underrated actors for a generation. You probably remember her from Halloween. She mm. was the one who said, totally. Mm. Uh, you might remember her from Carrie. This is like the big starring role of her career. Nailed it. She's so great. She's a fucking mm. lightning bolt in Rock and Roll High School. And I think it is a goddamn tragedy that she didn't have a huge career afterwards. Because she's... Yeah. Wonderful in rock and roll. So yeah, she, she was always ones, considered like a B movie actress, and I, yeah. I, I don't think she had too many A. She didn't have any A leading roles, if, unfortunately. If just a couple of stars misalign, yeah. Rock and Roll High School becomes just one of the many mm. failed attempts to do a modern musical in that it's, era. But, but I think that's the one nice. that actually gets away with it best. It's it's it also has some strange stuff in it. There's like <laughs> they explode mice. mice. They explode mice with the Ramones music. Yeah, that's the it's danger. Like, uh, that's why the Ramones are dangerous. Not because like they're giving kids ideas, but because if you play the music loud enough, mice explode. It's, it's too loud. There's a scene in the movie where like all of a sudden, like a couple of people in mouse costumes like walk into the building. I'm like, uh oh. <laughs> no, they, there's a Ramones concert, yeah. and there's a, a human-sized mouse attending the Ramones <laughs> concert. It's like, hey, you know what this music does to mice, right? And the mouse holds up a pair of earmuffs. <laughs> it's like okay, you're good. Go you on. You remember in. more vividly yeah. than I do. It's yeah. such a fucking treat. And yeah, and, and Mary Warnoff and Paul Barteller in that oh. movie. So you, you you know you got quality if you see Mary yeah. Warnoff and Paul Bartell. Yeah. If you've never seen the original Rock and Roll High School, please see it. See, if you get an opportunity to see Rock and Roll High School forever, don't. <laughs> you don't need to do that. I, I actually don't dislike it the way some people do, but it's not good. I'll just say cocaine's a hell of a drug. And. Uh, <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, Rock and Roll High School yeah. like functions. That that yeah. is a legitimately that one, that entertaining one works movie. on its own level. Um, Even the ones that I like, I think, but, other, but like I Can't Stop like the Music a, is is so fucking weird. I, it, I'm not sure it works, it, but I do love it. It's straight. I think you're you like it just because it's really upbeat and, yeah. and Steve Gutenberg is the lead actor in that. It's, and he's, it's not pretending he's actually, to be more know, serious a, than it is. A, a fun, genial actor. I know he got a lot yeah. of grief. Uh, there was even a joke yeah. about Steve Gutenberg on The Critic, which was made in like the mid '90s. Mm. It's like uh, I don't know, I can't, I can't act. <laughs> That's what a young Steve Gutenberg told me. And look at him now. <laughs> no, look at him four years ago. Uh, <laughs> uh, can't stop the music. By the way, won the inaugural Razzie Award for Worst Picture, mm. and man. No, I, I know you're a defender, but I can see why. No, no, hold on. I want to look at for a second. I know we're we're digressing here. Here, here, the 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 nominees that year were first off Xanadu was up for it. And come on, how do you not pick on Xanadu? Over pick on something. Look, it, Xanadu versus Can't Stop the uh-huh. Music is a grudge match to yeah. the death. So you know, the, the, figure out, choose your fighter. The shockingly ill-advised erotic thriller Windows was up mm. for that. Saturn 3, which I appreciate its weirdness, but is not a good film. Mm. Raise the Titanic, which people have forgotten oh, about golly. because the studio wanted you to forget about it. That was a gigantic box office bomb. Uh, the Jazz Singer, which is I've actually never seen that one. I've heard it's, a, it's an absolute that, travesty. Uh, that one's been rescued, actually. The Richard uh, Fleischer film? Oh, sorry, I was thinking of all that jazz. No, so, no, 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 no. The, the remake the of The Jazz Singer. singer. Yeah, yeah um, that one is considered not good. No, The no, Get Smart not... movie, The Nude Bomb, which is not good. Which is also not good, yeah. I saw uh, that to you. Here's one I will actually defend, Friday the 13th. At original the time, Friday the 13th? At the time, yeah. it was considered just a Halloween knockoff, but you watch it today, it's actually pretty stylish and effective. It works. Mm. It's a good Although, slasher. the producer, Sean Cunningham, admitted that all of the, the stuff you like, they were literally just ripping off from Halloween. Of course they were, but that They're doesn't like, make oh, it inherently open, bad. Openly sad. That does make it inherently bad. Yeah. And that that's a movie that I saw multiple times at home, and then I finally saw it on a big screen totally different experience on a big screen yeah that's that true. movie is way more atmospheric and effective on a big screen than it is on even a good sized tv mm-hmm. so to its credit i'll give you that uh here's one that i really don't remember the formula, the formula. with marlon brando and george c scott it's like a, some kind of like espionage oh, or something isn't it yeah i didn't see it okay cruising which has a lot of baggage mm-hmm. in it yeah. and then the winner was can't stop the music and i'm like of all of those the one you're most angry well, at is can't stop the music well, let's let's also uh, with cruising and can't stop the music let's not forget that it, it was a very homophobic time yes, and these are uh, these are pretty aggressively queer mm-hmm. movies cruising is a gay yeah. film uh, can't stop the music doesn't have any gay sex in it, but the village people. Yeah, uh, and although the movie is actually really hilariously trying it's to like super chased, actually, it's, it's super yeah. chased, and it's also trying to like pretend the village people were a lot less gay than they were. Mm. Um, it was also directed by a woman, so the first Razzie Award for Bruce Picture like mm. picked on Nancy Walker, which is like it's like the only movie she ever directed. Yeah, so, so she was good. It's a, a well directed film. A little scoop of sexism right on top of yeah. there. Um, Fucking Razzie Awards. Yeah, so the, the Razzies have... <laughs> they've never been a very prestigious body, have they? No. Uh, so I, I think they're picking on Can't Stop the yeah. Music because of homophobia. But and they're my, just what is this? The Apple wasn't even ass. nominated. Uh, it, and that's weird. Well, it wasn't nominated because, and this is this is true of the Razzies every year, there's so much deeper trenches of filth yeah. to sift through to get to the really bad movies. They, yeah, they only yeah. pick stuff off the top. Uh, and I feel like the apple was one of those things that was so widely panned and, re- and disregarded that people didn't even bother seeing it. Uh, and it wasn't until you know, 25 years later that it started to find its audience, of which I am a proud 
remember I got the DVD when it was released. I'm I'm still upset that nobody asked Mark Edward Hoyk to do a commentary track. That's a bullshit. Yeah. That guy does great commentary. He, he does. Tracks. He gives great commentary track, and it, he was. All, pretty much single-handedly responsible for bringing that one back. No, we need, uh, we need to give because I know he's a friend, and mm. so take it with a grain of salt if you must. Uh, Mark Edward Hoyk is a bit of an institution, I think, in the cult movie market, and he absolutely deserves a lot of credit for keeping a lot of movies alive, mm. for raising the visibility of a lot of cult films that otherwise might not have been. Uh, he's got his finger on the pulse of like the home video community in a way very few people do, and. If you're not following him on Twitter or wherever you can find him. He has a podcast on uh, the screen's margins. Yes. You should absolutely check him out. He's a a nice person and he knows a fuck ton about movies. Mm. And a hell of a lot more about movies that nobody else gives a shit about. And he can explain why you should. And that's why he is... You know what? We should just... Call him the Godfather of <laughs> like he's just like he's he's, yeah, he's, he's he's here for all of us and thank you. And if you live in Los Angeles, he's he's uh, been responsible for booking a lot of the midnight shows. He's very good at, in with a lot of programmers. He knows like what studios owned what pictures at what dates. Like mm-hmm. that's the kinds of facts that he's memorized. And that's and, and that, uh, that doesn't that's, seem relevant until it's the only information you need because you're trying to track yeah. that. If you're trying to if you're trying to book are. a film, he'll yeah. know he he will know like who owns it at that moment yeah. or who might own it at that moment. Yeah, that's useful uh, information. He's they're really great. Yeah. There have been a few films we tried to book as midnight shows at the New Art, and we didn't know who owned them. Uh, the animated Transformers film from oh, yeah. 1986. Like, we didn't know actually who owned the rights, so we could never book that. We knew that it had sort of an audience of adult men at that point, but we could never book it. So, because uh, we didn't know who owned it. And the other one that we always wanted to do and never could was Deep Throat. Yeah, and that's, that's a... That's Deep, a, Deep that's Throat a has, like, d- tentacles of mob money. Like, there's all kinds of weird <laughs> stuff. Nobody knows uh, who owns Deep Who throat. really owns Deep Throat? And yeah. so, uh, my theory was, why don't we just book Deep Throat Put it on the calendar. We can get a print. Collectors yeah. have put, it. Put, and, them, uh, put some money aside for when they come calling. And well, then whoever comes asking for money, I guess uh, it's fucking there. It's yeah, in just it. say, okay, we booked it. Yeah, you, you owe us money. Well, I'm glad we found you. Yeah. So, uh... This is all a trick. This is all an attempt to expose who owns Deep Throat. Yeah, exactly. We, we were trying yeah. to flush you out. <laughs> we flushed you out. Can we rent this print from you? We'll give you standard rates. Good, good, okay. <laughs> can screen deep throat. Yeah, only we'll only smash yeah, a so, few of your limbs. Yeah, so there, there's a reason why you don't see deep throat on the midnight movie circuit. It's because yeah. who knows who has it. Yeah. Anyway, but the uh, Apple. but MGM owns the Apple. I guess Amazon owns the Apple now. I know it's uh, weird, right? Because Amazon bought it, the MGM library. Uh. Uh, but yeah, it was it was the Canon it's a big group. library to be fair. So yeah. hopefully, you know, that will yeah, all be available on Amazon for no extra fee soon. So that'd be nice. Yeah. It was made by the Canon Group. It was uh, bought by MGM. MGM put out the DVD. Uh, Amazon bought MGM. So now Amazon owns the Apple. The Apple is on Amazon. Uh, it's also on Tubi. Yeah, uh, when, when the, the Tubi DVD version went, is is pan and scan and not great. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah, it's, it's it looks it looks like a little warped in the middle sometimes. Like it's oh, really not a good. Oh, like, like compress the image. Yeah, it's yeah. not a good. No, no, actually, in like a weird, almost fluttery way. I, I I'd have to show it to you to like explain it. Like I tried watching it on the Tubi version; it was not good. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. If, if if you can track down the DVD, do that because yeah. it's worth it. It's you know they cleaned up the uh, they found a really nice print. They cleaned it up, and uh, yes, they cleaned up the apple. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's in this beautiful anamorphic widescreen. Uh, I think I really enjoy this movie. I think it's just a, a wonderful hoot, this weird... 
completely bonkers Bible exploitation new wave disco musical is such a bizarre animal that I can't help but love it. I wouldn't tell anyone not to watch it. Like, okay. I, and of course, that's not my job as a critic to tell you not to watch something. I might recommend you not watch it because it's not worth your time, but I try to avoid doing that unless mm-hmm. I feel really, really passionate. I don't hear. This is just a movie that every, on paper, every single thing about this movie should work for me. Mm. Every single thing about this movie should be like, yes, more please, thank you, everything I want in a movie is here. And what it boils down to is I just didn't vibe with it. I think the music just doesn't track. And I think that so much of the movie is self-serious to the point where it can't even be funny in spite of itself, let alone on purpose. Mm. And so I ultimately just felt, it felt a bit like a chore to me. But I totally get a lot of people love it and have a totally different reaction, and I get why. And a lot of people are probably going to love this thing if they haven't seen it before. So check it out. I wouldn't discourage it. But what I will say is, if you feel like me, if you're half an hour into this movie and it's still not working for you, Mm -hmm. it's not going to change. It's not going to get better. The plot might get a little weirder, but the music isn't get significantly better. It's already plateaued. So Mm -hmm. if you feel like like you're done, you might be done. (laughs) <laughs> that's that's all I'm gonna say. But uh, regardless, it's short. It's weird. It's interesting to like no. watch the history of its making, let alone the actual weird stuff going on on screen, is of note. So I'm glad I finally saw it. Uh, but ultimately, I don't think this is this is gonna be in like my favorite cult film list. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so that's it for the streaming club this week. Thank you everybody for listening. Uh, next week. If you want to head on over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network, uh, you can vote for the next poll. The next streaming service we're going to be talking about is Disney+. Plus, and we decided to talk about some of the more notorious films on Disney+. Plus. Whitney picked two films, I picked two. And the films that you can vote for are The Black Hole, Disney's response to Star Wars, which is actually a fucked up horror movie in space. Uh, the Country Bears, which is about the Country Bears. It's, well, it's based on the Country Bear Jamboree yeah. from uh, Frontierland at Disneyland. Yeah. Uh, the Nutcracker and the Four Realms, Disney's attempt to make a public domain giant Lord of the Rings fantasy out of Christmas. And then uh, Strange Magic, which is a film that they kind of like ended up stuck with when they bought Lucasfilm. And it was an attempt to do a pop jukebox musical animated movie about fairies who are basically reliving a Midsummer Night's Dream uh, and the animation is awful. Uh, So one of those we'll review next week. They're not always going to be bad. And I think after this, we should probably do something like Criterion or something well, as a palette yeah, we, cleanser. Uh, <laughs> They're not always we, gonna. We, we didn't I think, just, and to be fair, one of the movies on here I genuinely like. I won't tell you which one. Okay. One of the movies on here I genuinely like. But th- they were all stinkers and bombs. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah, you can vote for one of those. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it next week. You can follow us on uh, Patreon to find out what won. Uh, Patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network. You also get a lot of other exclusive shows there. So please sign up. We would love to have you. And to everyone who is currently a patron and can afford to be. Thank you very much. Without you, our shows would not be possible. And we're incredibly grateful to you. If you want to write into the show, our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. You want to talk about the Apple? You want to talk about anything we discussed on this podcast or just anything at all? Hmm. Email us. We might read your letter in an upcoming episode of We've Got Mail. We're also on Twitter at Critic Acclaim. I am at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. And uh, we have a P.O. Box. We have a P.O. Box. Mm-hmm. 
Whitney um, knows that I don't. <laughs> I have memorized well, it. I've said it all right. Uh, P.O. Box 641565. Say it with me. 641565. Uh, Los Angeles, California, 90064. Yeah. Um, we, we got some stuff. We did. Thank yeah. you, everybody, who sends us snail mail. We appreciate it. And if you didn't want to do that, we have an email address, and that's why. Um, and, of course, we have we, uh, Etsy. Go to Etsy. Look for Salt Cat Soap, all one word. We have a lot of uh, fancy soaps uh, that are for sale from our Etsy store, from me and M. Lapis to Silva. And um, Father's Day is coming up. Good for gifts. And, uh, yeah, I guess that's that. So thank you, everybody, once again. And uh, we'll see you next time on the Streaming Club, which is how... We're ending this podcast.